This is Purple Elephant, where I bring the proverbial elephant to the table in order to deconstruct ableism, prejudice, and misconceptions. On today's podcast, we have entrepreneur Gavin Neat. He set up his company, Neatbox, years ago in order to improve the lives of disabled people, in particular, customer service and accessibility. We deep dive into how both Button and Welcome can help not only the disabled people of the world, but during this global pandemic, the non-disabled people of the world, and lots of other interesting topics too. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Welcome to Purple Elephant, Gavin. It's great to have you on the show. Hello, Sassy. What an absolute pleasure it is to be here. Uh, obviously, we know each other. We've known each other for a, a couple of years now, but uh, just to let everybody else know, my name is Gavin Neat. Uh, I was a guide dog mobility instructor for 18 years, and then I created Neatbox, which is a company that looks at tech solutions. We've got two solutions that people may have heard about already, but they are called Welcome and Button. Welcome's a customer service solution, and Button helps people, guess what, press buttons. Uh, we had the solutions from 2016 onwards, but just in the last couple of months, well, since the start of the pandemic, we've realized that they have amazing potential to help people uh, live their lives now and hopefully move from a time of lockdown into a time of, well, what we hope is going to be uh, normalcy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to be here today, Sassy, and it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you and indeed all of your followers. Could I ask what setting up the app from a user's perspective is and how, why they should download it even if they feel they've already got a quote-unquote solution of the way they shop? Yeah, well, I would say that if, you, if somebody believes that everything is perfect right now, you don't need it. However, there's such a thing as unconscious incompetence, which is where, like a driver is a very good example of this, normally a middle-aged guy thinks they're a brilliant driver and then all of a sudden they sit with an instructor and the instructor says actually you did that wrong and that wrong and that wrong mm-hmm. though the people that think that they've, everything's perfect right now it's great i'm so glad that you think it's perfect please you don't need to download the app download it and have a look it might be you don't use it it might be that you could tell somebody else about it and it could be useful to them so that would be a reason to find out about it but just in a general sense this is how it works you download the app it's called welcome by Neatbox, N-E-A-T-E-B-O-X. Uh, it's on Android, iOS, on Apple devices. It cost us a fortune to put it on both, but, okay, so we don't scam, or we don't scam you, we don't pu- push anything to you, we don't advertise, there's no advertising on the app. Everything about it is totally designed for you. All you need to put in is your name, your email address, and a password. Question is, what would you like staff, customer service teams to have an awareness of? And then you're allowed to pick one of the different conditions that we've got on there. And you'll ex- I'll explain why that's important in a second. But you could also put other, which might be undisclosed. So you don't want to disclose what it is. You just want them to have a heightened sense of awareness. However, if you have a visual impairment and you don't want them to talk to your guide dog, by ticking on visual impairment or guide dog owner, it means that they know not to talk to your guide dog. So it's not a bad way of doing it. What things do you always like when you go somewhere? I always need a ramp for if a wheelchair user. I always want to have a low counter if there's one available um, it will then ask you for a photograph photographs are really good because um, if you put in a photograph they will look for you and they'll go oh yeah I recognize sassy um, that's the person I've got in this picture but nobody else is seeing this this is as secure as you giving them your credit card to pay for something 
<laughs> for example. Uh, although at the end of the day, all the information drops off the screen. They don't get to see it after the day anyway. So they don't hold on to any information about you. Uh, they don't have your email address. They, don't, they can't scam you or they can't push things to you, spam you with that. Um, so that's all you need to put in. Uh, once you've got that bit set up, it then you have to say, you have to accept terms and conditions and trust me, contact me if you have any problem with terms and conditions. Everything there is designed to be protecting our members rather than the businesses. You then, it says plan a visit. You click on plan visit and you get a list of all the different venues starting from the one that's closest to you. Now, we're not everywhere yet uh, and we know that, but we can be. Uh, and we can be because you're going to be telling us where you want us. So let's say you're in Birmingham and you go, what's nearest to me? And it says London. You go, well, I want it in Argos in Birmingham. You put in, you go to the help section, which it says request venue. You put in request Argos. That comes straight through to me. I contact Argos. I say, we've had one, two, five, ten, a thousand people request you install this. They say, what is it? And I say, here's a demo. I then tell them how much it costs will blow people away this will cost around about 50 pounds a month for a bank for a coffee shop it might be 25 pounds a month which is what five coffees that uh, is absolutely spectacularly cheap uh, cost effective value value for money yes we want it in every single venue in the world and if we can get it in one percent of the venues in britain then we've got a company that can wipe its own nose or whatever it might be called or that i can will grow and be able to do more good stuff. Uh, obviously that's what we want, but we want it in every train station. We want it in an airport, every Argos, every coffee shop. So we keep the costs really low. Uh, the challenge then is when you keep the costs really low is they go, it can't be worth anything if you're not charging anything for it. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, we, you put yeah, it I, I apologize for my, my statement there saying it was really cheap. I meant more for the, the brand slash business side of it is yeah. you know, that, that's nothing. That's You'd probably crazy not to do it. Yeah, it's like, for example, you put it in context of, say, a coffee shop, £25, that could be a family of four having two coffees, um, the kids having two, like a fizzy drink each or something, and a couple of slices of cake. So they've yep. already made their money with one, one family, and that could be a family that has a person with a disability in it. Yep, 100%. Yep. In fact, they chose that coffee shop because they knew the coffee shop had welcome. Absolutely. I, I really think it's a no brainer that businesses and brands all around the world need to install welcome because what you're essentially saying is that not only do you want to provide fantastic customer service across the board, but disabled people matter to you. Their money matters to you. And once you start realizing the strength of disabled people's money, mm -hmm. you will be laughing. Yep, and your staff will be happier and you'll have more loyal customers uh, and there'll be happier customers and they'll spend more money in your shop and your brand will improve and you will beat other brands. You'll be, you have a differentiator above all those other brands before they catch on to it as well. But everybody wins in this. Disabled person wins, customer service person wins, business wins, my business grows and I can do more good, so I win. My investors win because one day they get a return for their investment. We don't pay dividends, so they don't get anything until five, six years further down the line. Um, the public win because the staff member goes home that night and they help other people and they spread that information about uh, empowerment and disability. So everybody wins. There's no losers in this. Mm -hmm. um, 
the only thing is that business will not install this unless they think it, people need it or want it. When you think to yourself, right, if you're, if you're a blind person, you think, right, I'm going to go to the shops because I'm 21 years old, I'm fit and healthy, I've got great cane skills or a great guide dog skill or whatever it might be, or even um, I, my vision is such that I don't have to have a mobility aid yet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the shops because that's going to ensure that the people who could die if they have to go to the shops aren't going to contract something now of course anybody could catch this and anybody could die we saw that although of course it was elderly and people with uh, other conditions that it was but when you do go to the shops you want to make sure that when you go there got you haven't got all these barriers put in front of you to actually get the service you need Absolutely. so you turn up and somebody suddenly grabs your arm or somebody's in your face and you go this is a staff member and i can tell they're not wearing a mask mm-hmm yeah that's, oh my god it's very scary i decided to take a step back and, and say i can get my prescriptions from someone else i can get my shopping done by somebody else that way i was not taking a service that someone else who was even more vulnerable could potentially even you know on their own needed that service far more than me it, it doesn't make me a great human being or anything special but i think if everyone had that same attitude then we wouldn't be constantly fighting for the sake of fighting. If we all thought community first and then yeah. self second. But mm -hmm. the problem is when we think self first and we see other people taking advantage of our benevolence in that respect, then it hurts us because we're thinking community. Now we saw probably better community than we'd ever seen in our country during that time. Yeah. Uh, there was a real togetherness in the country and there still is in, in so many places, but um, it hurts when you don't see other people joining in with that community. Uh, I think the other thing is that ultimately at the end of the day, this isn't about your right. It's about, about your right to do everything yourself. It's your right to choose whether you do. You chose to stay at home. Mm. You chose to do something. You could have gone out and done so. You would have been danger, but you chose to actually not put other people in danger or not put yourself in danger or, or not add to the problem. Mm -hmm. We all, we were asked, choose to not add to the problem. Don't go out, don't spread this. And people then had a choice to do that. But I think disabled people have always, and when I say disabled people, I do have in my head the, the social model of disability. I, I don't think of a condition. I think of the disablement of society on that person. So that's the vision I have in my head when I say a disabled person, mm -hmm. a person disabled by society. So, but disabled people have, I've always had to fight for that ability to choose. It's... We almost have to fight for our own autonomy. That's the saddest part. Uh, you know, going back to what you just said about the social model, which brings us nicely <laughs> into <laughs> button and welcome. Because... Well, we're going to talk about my, my, my stuff. Brilliant. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> because so many disabled people feel, and rightly so, that it's society that is creating barriers to access and you yourself have created two wonderful apps and products in order to help give disabled people their autonomy back would you like to introduce yourself and what these are so yeah i, I guess my background uh, so i worked for guide dogs of the blind for 18 years and I, I i came at a time when i felt that empowerment was the most important thing you could potentially look at the history of charity and charities and say that there was this real let's give to the disabled person 
let's provide in fact the the definition of charity is the provision of services and financial support to those in need and that's kind of medical model that need they're in they're needy they're in need whereas the social model being if you remove the barrier you remove the need now i don't want to take disability and say that the medical model where somebody is in pain that means that they're now equal to everybody else no that pain thing hurts damn it and that person's living with that every day and we cannot and should not ignore that but where somebody's the barrier for their involvement in in everybody everybody's life is just their inability to get into a building well remove the barrier to getting into the building and the person get into the building and they can have the same life as everybody else if they are that's not exactly true they need to have the right desk if they're a wheelchair user they need to have the right desk they need to have the uh but the truth is that if you remove the barriers then everybody lives with equity not necessarily quality but equity means that everybody has the same level if you're going for a job you should have exactly the same chance as getting that job because of who you are as an individual and, what, and your physicality as somebody else if of course the physicality isn't part of the, the job role but um just if we think about that big picture there my job in guide dogs was to provide guide dogs for people but it was so that they could go out and have the life that they wanted to lead and i joined in 1996 by 19 well, i qualified in 1999 by 2006 i was involved in a project with gps people had these things called a gps tracker which had like all the bits of kit hanging off them and it was like very expensive but i'd started thinking about gps and then by 2006 well before that i still saw the nokia n95 which is the last decent slide phone where people could put speech on it and things like that but by 2006 the iphone 2s had come along and it had voiceover on it and my clients were turning up to train with guide dogs and they were just taking out their phone and chatting to it and their phone was chatting to them and it was doing all, and i was like wow this is amazing so i thought what does the future hold with this tech how is that going to be employed by somebody who's using a long cane or a guide dog and then ultimately i was thinking about how is it going to be used by somebody where who needs assistive touch or somebody who's hearing impaired or somebody who has cerebral palsy or somebody who uh well, any number of different things and of course that was being built into the phone and then i was just thinking quite naturally i was thinking how do i remove the barrier and the barrier was initially, and you wouldn't see it, but behind me is a pedestrian crossing. Everybody's got a pedestrian crossing in their front room, but I've got one behind me on my right-hand side on your viewer's left. Uh, and this was the first thing that I came up with, which was, how do I press the button at a pedestrian crossing with a mobile phone? And it was, add a small amount of hardware into the crossing, have an app on your phone, and your app could press the button when you stand next to the crossing. And it just seemed really obvious to me that that would be a good idea. But the truth is that nobody had ever done it. Yeah. Uh, and I put some my own money and time into it. I started a company just so that I could have a trading name so I could get help from Business Gateway in Scotland here. And ultimately, put a, <laughs> sold my house um, to actually pay for the software and the hardware, but then came up with a way of pressing a button at pedestrian crossings. And, and now that solution is in an, an entire town here in Scotland called Largs and is now just about to be installed in another entire town called Irvine and is in little dots of pedestrian crossings all over the country. And of course, not pressing the button with your finger happens to be something that would be quite useful for somebody who didn't want to catch or leave behind COVID-19. So that became, yeah, became something massive. But, and just to show you how that sort of moved into welcome, because that was called button, I thought to myself, well, I can press the button at a crossing, I could press the button at a door. Because all doors of disability access doors have got the button you have to press. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I could press that button. And then I thought, well, if I could press that button, then at that moment, the door knows I've arrived if I want it to. 
And if the door knows I've arrived, well, just by arriving at the building, the people inside the building could know I've arrived. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I had seen as a mobility instructor was that customer service was totally inconsistent, not just in different <laughs> time, but in the That's same the politest way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, inconsistent. Yeah, I've always been polite because the reason that pedestrian crossings didn't work was because the people who were installing them didn't understand how people used them. Mm. The people in shops... They want, they're in customer service, for God's sake. They got into that job because they wanted to deliver a service. They just don't have the equipment. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the training. And it's impossible to train every member of Tesco as to how they should interact. You could. Let's say you could train every member of Tesco. Within six months, 20% have gone. Yes. And then you've got the next one. And if you think of it from the point of view of visual impairment, you go, yeah, it's simple. Introduce yourself. Don't talk to my guide dog. Don't take my arm. I'll take yours. Go at my walking speed, not yours. Let me know when you're leaving. And you go, brilliant. If you knew that, we're fixed. But if you add five top tips to every single person who's going to walk through the door, so five top tips for hearing impairment, five top tips for a wheelchair user, five top tips for somebody with a walking stick, five top tips for somebody with dementia, five top tips for somebody with cerebral palsy, or autism. If you put five top tips for everybody and you say every staff member needs to know every single one of those top tips in the moment, can't be done. So no. I just thought, if I could train people purely by my walking through the door, then they can have the information they need in front of them as to how best to interact with me. And if I could do that with the disabled, in inverted commas, person being in charge of the relationship, not only am I training the staff member, but I'm doing it from the point of view of me being important. Me being the most important person. When I come into a shop to buy something, I am the most important person because I'm leaving behind my money. Mm-hmm. And if I don't come into your shop, you don't sell anything and therefore you don't have a business. So I'm important. Therefore, how you interact with me is important. And it shouldn't just be left to what you learn in a classroom for a, over a two hour session and about disability two years ago. It should be in the moment. And I've spoken a lot there. You might have loads of questions that you think your listeners and watchers might be interested in. So I'm just going to shut up for a second, Sassy, because I'll talk all day. Well, I I want to highlight Welcome as an app from a disabled person's point of view, because I came across Welcome by absolute chance. I was in Scotland back in 2018 on holiday, visiting family in Edinburgh, and it just clicked in my head. I was like, hang on, this, this app says that this can help me with airport assistance. So instead of me having to like run around and look for assistance or get someone sighted to find someone, to drag them over, to speak to me, find out they're not the right person, this app could really make everything so much smoother because I would say I'm coming to the airport between this time and this time. Uh, When I arrive, you would get not only the ping to let you know I was there, but the information ahead of time to let you know I was coming and my specific access needs. And then it would be a really nice, smooth sailing kind of acquisition. It's and, so obvious. <laughs> yeah, you would honestly believe that just that that should have been almost normality in customer service, as you were saying, but it wasn't. And this is why Welcome is so bloody fantastic. This This app was bloody brilliant because I was with my then fiance Grant and our two best friends who um, was a cane user as well. So I was a guide dog user. She was a cane user. And I told her about the, the app. And even though we were all going on the exact same flight, we both decided to um, install the app on our phones, 
create this profile and we had honestly one of the best customer service experiences as visually impaired people in our lives. The app explained that I was visually impaired, what my needs were, that I was coming, this was my flight number, and when I arrived, just as I walked through the door, they were like, oh, your face has just popped up on our screen to let us know <laughs> you, you are here, and we were just about to come and meet you outside. And that in itself was brilliant. And then, yeah, they just took the time to, to explain the procedure of the airport, how, how they worked, what, what was going to happen from there. And if I hadn't been um, a prolific user of airports, that would have been essential as well, because it would have put my mind at ease as a person needing assistance. What was to come next and where you were going to be going and what needs they could support you with. And yeah, I could not stop raving about this app. And I think everyone that has the money needs to invest in it so it can become a worldwide brand. Because I don't know about you, Gavin, even though it's, it's your product, I, people's autonomy is probably the most important thing to them, especially if you're disabled. And having that reassurance that someone was not only going to assist you in the way that you required, but they weren't going to patronize you or ask you a zillion questions. How did you become disabled? How, why has you got a guide dog? Can I say hello to your guide dog? All of that information is there quite literally at the tap of a button when you, or you've created yourself a profile. And that just blows me away because the, the beauty of one simple thought and then creating an app is quite revolutionary. Back in the day, they used to have a doorbell on doors and you'd open the door of a hardware store normally and it would go ding, ding, ding. And yeah. the person inside would know you'd walked into the shop. And then they would put their head up and they would go, oh, hello, how can I help you? Well, what we've done is we've added that bell, but we've actually added it 300 meters from the shop. So the person, but, and, and given them more, because we've got tech, given more information so they know who's just about to walk through the door and how best to interact with them and also messages to what they want to buy that day. But this is the most important thing. And you pointed out there about autonomy. It's not based on what they want to sell. It's based on what the person wants to buy because they've said they want to buy it. So you don't have to use it. You can actually put in the app, ignore me. You can turn up at a shop where normally you might get overhelped. Oh, hello, nice to see you. Oh, good to see your dog again. What's he called? Can I give him a biscuit? And you just go, just leave me alone. Yes. <laughs> so you can decide whether you want help or don't want help. This is you as the consumer having the choice. And, and what's frustrating in the extreme for me is we launched this in 2018. Um, and since then, it's taken so long to get people to pay attention. Now, that's partly our fault as a tiny company. There's only three of us. But we, we've moved on a long way. We're now a Google company. Google now mentor us. And we've that's won loads fantastic. of awards. Fantastic. Congratulations. But, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. They're amazing people to work. We're also in 15 Royal Bank of Scotland branches. We're in six Nat West branches. We're in Edinburgh Airport still. We're just about to launch with Irish Rail. We're going to be in two NHS hospitals in Scotland. We're in Doubletree Hilton, House of Fraser, Deloitte, Diageo, Scottish Government, Dundee Council, Stirling Council, Falkirk Wheel, Falkirk Community Trust, cinemas, or a cinema, tourist sites, uh, coffee shops, restaurants. And we're in all of these places and all of them across all sectors, all of their customer service is improving because they're using this. Mm. And the most important thing is we go where we're told to go. So anybody who downloads the app can say where they want it. 
And if we look at that big picture, let's just say IKEA ignore a person saying you need to improve your customer service. If 5,000 people say IKEA, not only do you need to improve your customer service, but we suggest this is how you're going to do it, IKEA would just go, yeah, let's do it. Now, our system might cost IKEA 75 pounds a month for a store. Mm-hmm. That's two people buying, well, probably just lunch with their family. Yeah, that's probably one buying one wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, one wardrobe, 75 quid, done. And every single disabled person, because we're totally pan disability, could use this app. Now, the beauty of it is you don't have to be using the app to get better service. So let's say you go in, you went into Edinburgh Airport using the app and you had a guide dog. The next person who comes through the door who's got a guide dog looking for special assistance, they get better service because you use the app. Because mm. ultimately what you did by walking through the door is you trained the staff. Yes you reminded the staff of what they should do when they meet somebody with a guide dog. So the next 20 people that come through the door, even if they're not using the app, will get better service. But what the app then does is the next time somebody comes through using a guide dog, it reminds them. They get an aid memoir as to exactly what they should do each time. We've got 64 venues now across the UK. We're available in Ireland and England and Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. Um, We're getting loads of interest from North America, Canada, Uh, Australia loads of people are saying when are you coming and Mm -hmm. we're saying we can't we need everybody in the UK to be using stuff like this first if we're not if we can't prove that disabled people want better customer service and scope did that study which says 75% of disabled people have had poor customer service well it's one thing saying you've had poor customer service it's another thing looking for solutions to that yeah and and I think that's almost like the underlying impact of you've got a solution that fixes the problem. And most people don't come up with solutions. They just create problems and win about <laughs> it. Well, the problem now. They say, this is the problem. Now, since COVID-19, all we've had in the newspapers is disabled person is discriminated against. And of course, that's the media pushing that, but because they want the stories, because they know it will, people will buy the paper or whatever, or open up the link or click on the link. But it's also disabled people expressing that they're having a problem. But let's just imagine for a second that a disabled person knows that we exist and they write an article for a newspaper that says this is a terrible, terrible problem. And then they don't say that there's a solution. They are part of the problem. And I don't like saying it, but I like I see everybody as equal. I don't go, you're a disabled person, therefore I need to feel sorry for you. Mm -hmm. I see a disabled person and say, if you aren't part of the solution, you're part of the problem just like I would say to a white person who's discriminating against a black person. If you're mm-hmm. not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Or a male who's in a boardroom who's telling, expecting the woman to go and make the cup of coffee or a cup of tea, which I hope is a thing of the past, but I know it probably still happens in some places. You have to be part of the solution. So if somebody knows about it, they should, and you're doing it today, you're talking about the solution, not just about the problem. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to highlight and bring it back to what you were saying about being part of the solution. I had such a fantastic experience with Welcome that I pitched Story to that not only got commissioned, but it, it, it had a very, very good impact. A lot of the disabled community at the time of reading shared it and a lot of non-disabled people shared it. And I was absolutely blown away by, by the response of people saying, wow, this sounds like a great app. But by your standards in reality, who really ended up downloading that app? And, and that's kind of the saddest part is there is quite clearly a solution here. And instead of 
there's a solution. Why aren't we telling our grandparents? Because yeah. Granny Doris just being diagnosed with dementia, this, this app could work for her. You know, she might not be a whiz kid with technology, but her children or her grandchildren probably would be. They put it and, on her and phone, so, so that the walk, she gets better service. Yeah, exactly. It just, it blows my mind that you created this product that should really already be a worldwide solution to giving people the autonomy and allowing, as we call it, the purple pound to expand even further. And yet it still isn't. And I, I'm very much aware that you said disabled people have to be part of the solution. They have to request their local coffee shop should have welcome all the way through to the giant Tesco's that they shop at every week. My kind of clear objective is why aren't the biggest brands in the world already thinking this is what we need? Because if we get these customers in with whatever disability they may have, we get them in, we sell them. They get great customer service, they come back, and everyone's a winner. Money, money, money. That's what businesses care about. They so do. why they have they not they then adapted this? Like Tesco's, Asda, but yeah. if the CEOs and the CFOs were to say, hang on, this app is bloody fantastic, we need to invest in this, then with practically overnight, as we've seen with COVID, that can be turned on its head. Yes, you are totally right. But do you know the first question they ask us? How what? many downloads have you got? Really? And we say, we've got two and a half thousand downloads. And they say, well, that's not really proving that disabled people want it. <laughs> what, what we have to do is we have to get more disabled people to demand it. Yeah. But this great hashtag, which is nothing about us without us. Yes. Or nothing for us without us, which is a great hashtag. But if the only thing that is with you involved is you telling people that it needs to improve then yes you've been involved in the complaint of it not working but uh, there are fantastic entrepreneur disabled entrepreneurs out there who've gone here's a solution and mm -hmm. I, I know loads of them they're, they're amazing because they're part of the solution but if the bit where people are consulted about what's going wrong if all they do at that point is say it's going wrong and then we rely on mps or msps or businesses to come up with the solutions, they're not experts in the solutions. No. Disabled people aren't experts in the solutions. They're experts in seeing where it's going wrong. Yes. There has to be a third link, which is the person who comes up with a solution. And that might be a disabled person, but it could be me. Mm -hmm. It could be the practitioner who's been a nurse for 30 years who goes, do you know what? There's a better way of, there's a better way of organizing our outpatients they have to listen to those people but that's where and we've kind of in the last few years just got used to it being techie university graduates to come up with solutions and you go what do they know about it they're waiting <laughs> for the door to open to to hear about unless they're disabled god bless if they're a disabled university graduate who goes i've always had a problem here's a solution mm. brilliant get them involved i've always said you need to be innovative to come up with an idea mm -hmm. and i'm innovative i came up with an idea but unless you have visionaries Unless you're surrounded by visionaries, your idea never gets off the ground. You have to have people talking about your idea. And those early adopters, those visionaries like yourself, and I mean, and, and quite a few people, if, if people follow me on social media, they'll, they'll see them. There are people who are constantly telling the world about this stuff. Yeah. And if I didn't have those people around me, I'm, an, I'm nothing. I might as well be in a shed somewhere hitting something with a hammer. Um, it's not going to get anywhere. So... And what happens with the visionaries, they tell somebody else and they become visionaries as well. 
and we all have to just with empathy with understanding with with employment with um, inclusion everybody needs to have empathy and we, we talked about that before it's it's what's going to make the world better what's, mm-hmm. what how can we improve our communities and that is part of what i want this company to be the issue is i believe at the moment is this app is very successful in scotland and we've got lots of places dotted in and around the rest of the uk but people are so your life you get into a routine and a habit whether or not that's a visually impaired person who's a teenager and lives with their parents well they'll always go shopping with their parents so someone with cerebral palsy who may have a pa well just to make the burden easier a person with cerebral palsy then pa would come along and help do their shopping and i think when people have what they perceive as their own ways of managing it they then don't think out of the box of how it could be made accessible to them in other contexts in that context sorry to interrupt for a second sassy because you mentioned a really important point so let's just say you're going in we've got a lady up here in, in glasgow who has a carer with her she's in a power chair um, and she goes into the bank and she went into the Royal Bank of Scotland using this system and the person in the bank spoke to her. Wow. Normally they would speak to the carer. Yes. So all of a sudden they were talking to her. She handed her card across and the person handed the card back to her. When they left, the carer turned around to her and said, that's never happened. They always talk to me. Mm-hmm. This person. And she was like, that can be the case just because you're getting helped by somebody else doesn't mean that you are not worthy of the attention of the person. There's absolutely no reason why if you're shopping with your parents, the person and you're buying a pair of new Nike trainers, mm. why the person in the shop shouldn't go Hi there, John. I know you're coming in to buy some Nike trainers today. Can I help you instead of what's he buying? Is he getting Nike trainers? I'll go and show you some and then you can decide you can decide whether he's going to get them or not. Yeah, I, I feel so in the context um, of, you know, the person with cerebral palsy um, and having a PA, if the PA generally, as far as I'm aware, are very good at taking a step back and please speak to Sally. Sally can yeah. talk for herself. But if we had welcome up, say, let's just say in Primark and I wanted to go shopping, I'd almost have kind of a personal assistant shopping, which is not only a bonus, but it would take the stress off my mum. But what I've also found, and this could just be me as a person, is that families become so involved and overcompensate that they almost don't want you to do it on your own because they feel it's just quicker to help you do it. (laughs) yeah and what does that do to the individual who has been told by society that they're disabled and then everything that happens to them on a daily basis just reiterates and underlines the fact that they are disabled because they need help Mm -hmm. you can you choose the help you need because you're an individual who has rights that's the way i see it that's what i that's the world i want to live in Mm and and i'm i'm a white middle-aged guy and i consider myself to be enlightened but I'm not, I'm not seen as somebody who is of a minority, but that doesn't mean I can't march for somebody else's rights. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always been frustrating for me is that had I been a disabled person, I might have been more successful in this because disabled people would have gone, yeah, he's disabled. He understands what we're talking about. And I ate it my entire life around disability, but 18 years working uh, 
with uh, guide dogs and then a company set up purely to improve equality and equity for people you just go come on listen i i have awareness i know i'm going to be disabled mm-hmm. so I, I selfishly i'm doing this for myself as well it's, it was going to help me further down the line i had two back operations a brain hemorrhage and arthritis on my knees so i do have an understanding of what it's like to lose stuff so the future is that we should all fight for each other mm-hmm. and, and improve each other's lives i completely agree and and you touched on a very valid point there at some point sadly we're all going to decline (laughs) and whether that means having uh, a physical disability like arthritis in older age or so many other things could happen to you we're all going to become less active and less mobile than we are right now today and when you put that in the context of 5 10 20 years 30 years 50 years from now well, why wouldn't you be planning for the future? I'm now 45, uh, my mum's 85, and now we have to take mum out in a wheelchair because she can't walk distances. So why aren't you thinking, hang on, I might be like that one day. Where, where are all the, the ramps? Where are all the buttons that are at people's wheelchair height? Where are the, the sinks and the bathrooms that are accessible? Where are the changing places, toilets? But you... I feel that people really don't get it until they're physically in it. And as humans, we adapt to the point where it becomes our new normal, but we become despondent in how we can actually improve it on a larger scale. It's all empathy. It's if you can't think of it from your own point of view, think of it from your parents' point of view. If you can't think of it from their point of view, think about a friend who's living with this. And if not, just look at somebody else and think about their life on TV. You just go, oh, yeah, that person. Oh, I wonder how they do this. And then go, yeah, I don't actually have to go out and change stuff. Mm-hmm. I just have to go out and think about it and then have an awareness of it. Uh, and then if you have an awareness that a visually impaired person can't socially distance, you then socially distance for them because yeah. you have an awareness so yeah. and it's, it's easy to do it's just this tiny bits of awareness and we can help obviously with welcome we give them that next level we would never say this gets rid of staff training or awareness training it's just a ma- aid memoir to that absolutely yeah. and, and when so many staff are recycled because you know temp jobs and and whatnot takes the onus off the people in charge helping their disabled customers without being stressed because it's right there at a click of a button. You know, if, yeah. you, you, if you're a temp and it's Christmas time and you've never come across a disabled person before, a disabled person walks into the store that you're, you're temping for, so, as you've already said, people feel very uncomfortable around those with disabilities. And there's been such negative interactions with customer service, 75%, and scoped um, another campaign. And it's kind of around ending the awkwardness about talking to people with disabilities and so many people said they wouldn't feel comfortable speaking to a disabled person because a they didn't know what to say and b they didn't know how to approach them without being offensive Mm. and i just see that as 18 to 35 year olds i think are the the ones most affected by that Mm. yeah and and when you when you then you know share that with the world people are like yeah no i do feel really uncomfortable you've got to remember that regardless of a person's disability whether it's visible or not we're all humans. We all wanted to be treated as equals, as humans. And we, we should have that right to feel that way. Going back to the temp person, well, that would make them feel more at ease because yes, they might have done a training course for two hours on disability awareness, but 
if they're at the they're at the till when it pings through and and Johnny's coming through and he's using walking sticks and he says you know actually I I I don't need your assistance today then it saves them from rushing over and gushing but oh ah, ah how can I help um uh, uh, and and it saves the dithering as well as it, it saves the person from hassle <laughs> I'll give you a great example of a combination of the things that you're talking about. So most places are closed during COVID-19. Uh, there are some places that are open, obviously, and one of them is banks. So Royal Bank of Scotland, um, you know, town here in Scotland was open. And there's a lady, she lives with anxiety, but also mobility issues. She wanted to visit Royal Bank of Scotland, but she wanted to use the app. And she went along and she stood in the queue outside of the Royal Bank of Scotland. Luckily, it was a sunny day. She pressed the manual arrival button on the app, which is just, you just press the button. The manager came out of the shop. He said, hello, Karen, my name is Bill. I'll, we'll go in. And he then dealt with her individually and then she left. But before Bill went out, he had a chance to look. It went, Karen, Karen's living with anxiety. Karen would like help with this, this, and this. When he went out, he felt more confident in delivering a service. So even before he met her, he was, hello, Karen, my name's Bill. And that's the most important thing between two humans. If you know somebody, if you just go, hello there, I'm, I work for Tesco, uh, and you don't know who they are, then how do you even know to say well done? Yeah, I spoke yeah. to Mark. and you're getting a really personable experience. It's almost like being a VIP and, and having that like excellent service that is mostly afforded to very, very rich people. <laughs> if somebody's wearing a name badge, and I see the name badge, and you don't, if they introduce themselves, all you're getting is the same as me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's really important. You think that you're getting VIP service, but no, you're getting the same as everybody else. It's just you couldn't see the name back. Oh, I agree. I feel I've been disabled, registered disabled since the age of eight, and I'm now 29. So I've been disabled longer than I've not been disabled. And I feel like from my own personal perspective, I've always had people talk over my head when I was in a wheelchair. I'm very small, so people talk over my head anyway. <laughs> I have people talking to my husband or my friends who are sighted or whoever was pushing me in the wheelchair. And I feel like I am so bogged down by my lack of feeling like a normal, whatever normal is, um, human interacting with others through customer service that I'm here spouting like it's VIP treatment, but actually it's just no. decent customer service. You are 100% right. I would say to people, what was your service like? Oh, they were lovely. Well, oh, I was great today. I had brilliant service. And I say, what was their name? And they would go, I don't know. And I say, you don't know what good customer service is because you're just thankful somebody interacts with you. <laughs> you go, that's not good customer service. That's not what everybody else gets. And just because you think it, you're a VIP for getting it, no, you're just getting what everybody else gets. So yeah. and it's really important to point that out. Everybody should demand more, but not just demand more, but actually have the, the wherewithal to actually say, this is how you're going to get more. People who use our service, the staff, feel great about using it because they feel they're giving good service. So I think it was Christmas. I went into the Poundland with Ida and I was just I remember I was just picking up like you know the chocolate because it's really cheap <laughs> I heard um, a member of staff say excuse me can I help you and I said yeah you're a member of staff and she's like yes my name is I've actually forgotten her name what a horrible human being um, she assisted me around the shop in regards of saying how can I assist can I take your arm and I said actually I'm okay but I would take your arm so I corrected her in her offerings, just so if in future 
she could then offer another visually impaired person her arm. And she's like, so how often do you like shop on your own? Pretty much all the time. Do people help you like this? I was like, no, it's usually the general public that help me, not the members of staff. Wow, that's appalling. And anyway, we're, we're carrying on, going around the shop. She's literally reading out every label to me, the price, everything like that. And then there was a gigantic queue and she said, bear with me two seconds. And uh, she's like, I'm just going to walk away, but I will be straight back. She walked off, she came back and she's like, come with me. I'm taking you to an, a, a till that's completely free. You opened and, another till. And yeah, she took me to an, another till. She put my items through, confirmed that I had everything that I needed. And then essentially walked me to the front door of the shop as well. Said, have a lovely day. And I was like, wow, if this is customer service, everywhere mm -hmm. then there wouldn't a be a need for welcome this would be the level of customer service that every person with a disability would receive maybe minus a new till because you're just treating the person as a human being but asking them what their needs are and then fitting those needs appropriately facebook page again because she had introduced herself i said her name and i said i'd really like to essentially say how well how brilliantly i received customer service thank you we'll pass it on merry christmas sort of thing hope you have a great day about eight weeks later i was walking through my local town and i heard someone calling my name and i was like i don't recognize this voice at all so i i, I stopped and i turned around i'm karis i'm the lady who helped you in poundland i just wanted to say a massive thank you i got massive praise from my bosses that day that i helped you with some shopping I, I essentially want to thank you, but more than anything, I want you to realize that it was no big deal and you didn't need to thank me. So this kind of frustrates me. I, Karis, brilliant, fantastic. But you go away from Poundland thinking I had great customer service at Poundland. You didn't. You had great customer service from Karis because Absolutely. another member of staff might have seen somebody two minutes later and given them bad customer service. Mm -hmm. And therein lies the problem. So somebody has bad customer service in Tesco and they write uh, saying, I had bad customer service in Tesco. And everybody else goes, that's absolutely dreadful. And then somebody else says, I had really good customer service in Tesco. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's the individual who you meet. And whether it might be that the lady you met, Karis, the problem we've got right now is that the times when we get good customer service papers over the cracks. It's like a healing plaster that makes us think that the problem is solved. But mm. if you look at the last 15 years on social media about people's experience in customer service, you will see that it is, it just keeps coming back. Bad customer service, bad customer service, bad customer service. Every week, bad customer service, bad customer service. Mm. It just, it doesn't go away. And the reason it doesn't go away is because nobody's got a solution to traditional staff training or empathy and awareness in the individual. Mm -hmm. Until now. Yes, there is a solution. In fact, Welcome! <laughs> the one thing that, We'll know, we're going to know when this goes out, because you've got great um, followers, when this goes out, we'll know whether people have been proactive because they will go out and download the app. If they go out and download the app, they will see the app and then they can be a part of the solution. If nobody downloads the app, then we know we've still got a fight ahead of us. Mm -hmm. I think that's the bottom line here. So that's would you, sorry, would, would you suggest that anyone who's ever received poor customer service, whether they are a disabled person or a friend or family member of a disabled person, downloads the app and just kind of tick everywhere in their local area that they use and have probably over the years received poor customer service from? But if you went into the cinema and you spoke to the manager and said, do you know what, there's this amazing new app that's going to help you. 
and then they installed it, you know, not only do you have a better relationship with the cinema, but the cinema's like then talking and got a discourse with somebody who uses their service and then their entire world changes because of that. So mm. yeah, pick the places that you can help. Pick the ones that have got it really badly wrong as well. But yeah, I mean, there's a, the future here is, I mean, let's guarantee it. If 100,000 disabled people downloaded this app tomorrow, not that it's gonna happen, but if they did, we could change the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely could. So guys, I'd like to ask a favor of you. Please download Welcome and share it with your friends and family. Let people know all about it, but not just Welcome, Button. If you think about the global pandemic that we are in right now, how good would it be to have buttons that you can touch on your mobile phone and you don't have to touch a button and then disinfect yourself and worry that somebody else has touched it and they could be a carrier. Think of what it's like to be potentially a disabled person with everything that's going on and the kind of lack of access and the lack of support disabled communities had recently and what you would feel like if that was you, in, if you were in our shoes. Welcome can really truly open doors for. Oh, I like that. Welcome, open doors. <laughs> <laughs> for amazing customer service, giving people equity and equality, and overall giving us back our autonomy. If you know anyone in your friends or family circle that you think would benefit from Welcome, please download it, check it out, and essentially rate it so we can all push it further worldwide. Guys, I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, I really, really, truly hope that you see the benefit of both Button and Welcome, especially in this global pandemic. And I will let Gavin finish off and interest you some more. <laughs> uh, I can't thank you enough. The opportunity to chat to you is always a massive pleasure. Uh, but there's some very serious stuff going on here. Uh, and we've never needed solidarity as much as we do now across all people who have who are in a minority who are needing something that has quite obviously been shown up as being totally uh, less than it needs to be so if people can get behind this and do things for everybody when they they suggest something or they they want uh, an improved service somewhere understand from other people's point of view and be part of the solution don't just go on social media and say i'm agreeing with them in their complaint Look at their complaint and say, I know a solution and I can fix that. And that doesn't that could be for welcome or button or any solution at all out there. It's about being part of the solution, not just part of the problem. And thank you for having me on. I loved it. It's been great. Thank you so much. Wow. What an episode. If we haven't persuaded you already, I highly suggest you go and download both apps, button and welcome. We're in this global pandemic and really we have to be supporting one another. Even if that means sending this episode across to someone that is in your friends or family circle and you think welcome or button may help. Although, I think button can help all of us. So please make sure you support Gavin by downloading both of the apps and helping him to achieve his goal of making the world a more inclusive place. I've been Sassy Wyatt, your host, and this has been Purple Elephant. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing but most importantly, rating me on the App Store because apparently that gets you better ratings and uh, higher up for more people to listen. So go do that because I'm a cool person. Love you guys. Bye.